Hello and welcome to Griffin Centerpoint Church's Sunday podcast. We have all found ourselves locked out, whether we're locked out of our cars or maybe locked out of our room. Maybe somebody has locked us out of their lives. Well, this week, Pastor Mark Davenport begins a brand new series entitled Locked. And today he's going to be talking about being locked out. I want to go ahead and get started because I know uh, that you are watching online and there's other things that will be pulling for your attention over the next few hours. And so I want to just go ahead and jump right into it. And I told you a few minutes ago, we're starting a series called Locked. And uh, today we're going to be talking about being locked out. And I'm sure if you're like me, there have been plenty of opportunities for you to be locked out. Maybe you've been locked out of your car that's one of those situations where you pull up, and I, I tend to do that when I'm when I'm not doing the norm. When I'm when I'm when I'm when I get out of my car and I automatically get my stuff together and I get right out of the car, everything's cool. But if somebody comes out to the car and says, "Hey, don't forget to get this or get that," and it gets me out of my routine, I find myself going, "Ah, I locked my keys in my car, and now I'm locked out," or maybe. Your teenager locks you out of their room. I mean, I don't know that happens to many parents because I know most parents will go, this is my house. You're not locking that door and kids will go, but it's my property. It's my safe place. And maybe your kids have a lock on their door and they've locked you out of their room. Um, But really, most of the time, what I find is I get locked out of the house. Maybe I've gone off to run somewhere and and I get back home and my wife's left and, and I, I find out that the key, I don't have a key and my keys are in the house and my wife's gone. It actually happened to me once several years ago. Uh, I, uh, I, I came home and realized I didn't have a key and my wife was gone and she was actually gone out of town. And my daughter was at college and I didn't have a spare key under a rock or in a mailbox or over a door. I didn't have any keys and uh, I, I'll tell you what I did. I called to someone who I thought could get me in. Uh, I called a, a guy that, had, that, that was in our church that had, uh, and I don't mean this ugly, but had lived a life of crime, had lived a life of drugs. And I called this person and I said, hey, <laughs> I bet you've broke into some houses before, haven't you? <laughs> Can you come and break in my house? And it was so funny. The guy responds back to me and says, well, breaking into homes really wasn't what I did. You may want to call this guy that's in our church because he did a lot more of that and stealing than I ever did. And I I thought it was humorous. I thought, okay, I called that guy. He was out of town. I had to find a way in. And I I eventually broke in myself. And I am looking for a life of crime as well. But I, I found my way into the house. And many, many times we've been locked out of stuff. And today I want to talk to you from the book of Acts about being locked out. And uh, we're going to jump right in. And the, the very first point of this message is make room. Sometimes we're locked out because we haven't had people make room for us. Have you ever been in an event? Maybe you've been at a party, some activity. And Lord help us if it's the church that this happens to. But you get to an event and it's too crowded. There's, there's too many people there. And they say in churches that once you get over 80% that, that people will turn around and walk out because it's 
It's too crowded. No, there's not any room. Do you know that, that sometimes we're left out because, not because people try to exclude us, but they, they just isn't enough room for us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's told the disciples to go back, wait for the power that, of the Holy Spirit that was promised to them. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, it's a pretty interesting verse of Scripture that I really have never really grabbed hold of before. And I'm just going to read it here, and you know me, I'll skip the names when we get down to those. But it says, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. Then they arrived, get this, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present, and it begins to list these names. Now, I can't imagine all of these guys being in an upstairs room that they're renting. And sometimes you, you, you get to a room and maybe it's not just crowded, but you know they haven't made room for you. You ever been to somebody's house and you came unannounced and you go, I know they're really not ready for me to walk into this house. They're, they're not going to let me in the door. They haven't made room for me. Or as they say, sometimes you can actually be in a crowded room and be alone. Have you ever been in a room with people and you felt like you didn't belong? That there wasn't a place for you? That for some reason they hadn't made room for you? In this particular scripture, if you're walking into that room, you've got to look around and go, I'm not sure I have a place these are guys that have hung out with Jesus for every day over the last three and a half years. And I'm not sure there's a place for me here. It's an upstairs room where it's probably small, it's probably tight. Maybe it's crowded. And maybe you're feeling locked out right now because someone hadn't made room for you. Is it possible that you've been excluded from a room because in spite of the relationships that you feel like you have, in spite of the times you've spent with people, it just doesn't seem like there's anybody's made room for you. These people had been in a long relationship, but, but they had possibly refused to make room for some I mean the gospel was being preached and people people knew about Jesus and people were coming to him but now he's gone and these guys are going to an upper room where where they they said Jesus has left us people are probably wanting to come close to them and they may be at a time have you ever had that instance where you go hey it's just not a good day it's just, it's just not a good day. I really don't have room for anybody right now in my life. It's just really not a good time. Maybe you're dealing with that. You've been going through this virus. You've been sheltered at home. And man, you're just ready to get back out. But sometimes the depression, the, the weight of the situations make us go, you know what, I really just don't want anybody right now. I'm not really will, willing to make room for anybody. You know, it's funny to me, though, there's, there's places that always make room for us, though. Like, like businesses will always make room for you. 
You know why? Because they want your money. A business will always make room for you because they want you to come in and they want you to spend. They want you to come in and have what they have so that they can have what you have. And they'll make room for you. It's funny though, sometimes we say that, well, they'll make room for you. Uh, my wife was traveling with a friend and they went to this store and uh, my wife told me after she got back, she said, it was the weirdest thing. She said, I've never been in a situation like this. She said, we walked into a Louis Vuitton store. She said, no, I'm not talking about where they, where they sell, like a, a Macy's, where they may have Louis Vuittons. No, this was the Louis Vuitton store. And she said, Mark, when we walked in, there was a guard at the door and they locked the door behind us. And we were pretty much the only ones in this store. I said, did they know you weren't the one buying? She goes, oh, I think they realized that real quick. That they'd made room for her, but they knew she wasn't the one that they were targeting. That they could tell they were making room for her because of her friend. You know another place that always seems to make room for us? Bars and parties. You know why that is? Because the enemy's out for your soul. The world will always make room for you. There will always be. I'm not telling you they're always nice. I'm not telling you that friends won't stab you in the back. But I'm telling you that if you're looking for a hookup, you're looking for a, a way out, there's always somebody or someone that'll make room for you. Because the enemy knows how to use those things. And they'll always find a way to make it feel good. Always make it look good. They will always have room for you. And then, I want to say the church. The church will always make room. Don't, don't you wish that was true? I mean, we love to talk about it in the church. There's room for you. We even used to sing a song, there's room at the cross for you. There is room at the cross for you. But as bad as I hate to admit it, sometimes in the church, we don't make room for people. We like to act like it's true, but... Sometimes in the church, we find ourselves being crowded with our relationships and our friendships, and we find ourselves, oh, forgive me for saying this, we find ourselves in cliques where we haven't made room for other people. I hope it's not that, like that in Griffin and LaGrange, but I know too often we come into places and we find ourselves that there's no room for us. You do understand that I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about a physical plant where you walk in and go, oh, it's overcrowded here. How great it would be that every seat was filled. But if it's filled, are people going to go, there's a place for me here. There's room for me here. I'm talking about a place in our hearts, in our relationships, where we make room for people that may not meet our criteria. Go, well, her character's questionable. <laughs> you know, Jesus actually got down in the sand and wrote love letters to a lady whose character was questionable. You go, well, I, won't, I wouldn't go eat with those people. <laughs> it's funny, that's what they said about Jesus. They said, Jesus actually eats with sinners. Well, I, I, Mark, are you asking us, us to let a murderer into our home? It's funny, Jesus lived with a murderer for three and a half years. 
that was actually going to take his own life. It's going to have him arrested and crucified. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you you got you to gotta put your family at risk. What I'm telling you is, are you making room? Things are crowded. Times are busy. We are pushed and pulled a hundred different directions for everything that we can think about. And suddenly a virus comes along and we're blocked off in our homes and we're caring for our kids and our families. And for many of you, you've been teaching your children, homeschooling them, trying to get them through school these last few weeks have been absolutely horrifying with new math. But we're about to be back out. We've stopped our schedules. We've slowed down. Are we going to refill them with stuff that doesn't matter? Or are we going to make room for people? Are we going to make room to really be disciples? I'm not making light of what we've got to learn to make room for people. I'm just telling you that there are some people that are locked out that we need to make room for. Second thing that I want you to get out of this scripture and out of this passage that we're going to look at today is sometimes being locked out means we're passed over. That, that, that things just don't work out. Have you ever been hurt because someone else was chosen? <laughs> I mean, it, it happens. Maybe, maybe it was a marriage and your spouse walked away and chose someone else. Maybe you worked hard at your job and you worked for that promotion that was supposed to come. And when it came, it went to someone else. Maybe you can go so far back that you can go back to middle school or high school. And you weren't picked for some athletic endeavor. Because you were never really that athletic, but it seemed like every time it came to being picked, you were passed over. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with that today. That, that all the phone calls are going to someone else. That it seems like you're being passed over for everything. Well... We've all been passed over. We've all been locked out of an activity or, or maybe not wanted or maybe thrown away. Or at least we felt that way. My wife challenges me. Because of the adoption, because I was adopted, Michelle will ask me sometimes, Mark, do you, do you ever feel like that maybe... Your real mom just, just let you go. And you know what I have to say every time that's asked to me? I always come back and go, Michelle, my mom and dad that raised me, Ed and Carolyn Devonport chose me. They didn't have to keep me. They came looking for me. Can I tell you today that you may have felt like you've been passed over by everybody but I can tell you this morning that Jesus is coming looking for you. He has chosen you. He loves you with a love that you can't even imagine. 
but it still may not heal the hurt from being passed over. I want you to look at this scripture with me. It's found in Acts chapter 1 again. It starts in verse 21, runs through 26, but I think it's important that you get a little bit of what's going on here. It says, so now we must choose to replace Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. Judas sold Jesus, was regretful, and went out into the valley and hung himself. So now, what do we do? We've got to replace him, right? So they go to replace him. From the time he was baptized by John until the day that he was taken from us, let's look for someone that's been with us this whole time. Whoever's chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. Now, they just told us these people have been with him the whole time. They've seen everything. They've been to the resurrection. So they nominate two men, Joseph and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as, the, as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots. And Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. Hmm. So Matthias gets the nod. And it would be cool if there was a reason for stopping at 12. I mean, we don't, we don't, I mean, we know it was always 12. Jesus had 12 with him, but he hung out with three very special people. And he, and he had 70 with him at one point, 120 on the day of Pentecost. I mean, does the number 12 really, I mean, why couldn't it have been 13? We got two guys here. They both have been with Jesus the whole time. They both believe they're adequately able to take on the position of being an apostle to lead the church, and the church is just getting started, Do, would one more guy not help lighten the load? Here's Joseph. Not going to pick you. Sorry you didn't make the cut. What's wrong with Joseph? I mean, he was with Jesus nonstop. So he's, he's got that requirement. He was an eyewitness. He's, he's got that. Why? Why me? Or better yet, why not me? Joseph had to be thinking, why am I not the one that's chosen? Why did the lots fall to Matthias? Maybe you're sitting there today in your home and you're going, man, there's been so many things that I felt passed over for. Man, there's been, there's been so much that I think could have gone my way and it seems to always fall the other way. There's a song by Vicki Winans years ago and I, I, wrote down, I wrote down the words, I copied them so I'd make sure I, I got it right. And you, you'll remember it when I, when I tell you the title. And the title is, Long As I Got King Jesus. One of those, those gospel songs. But it says here, I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. I've been used, scorned, talked about, uh, talked about sore as a bone. I've been down, up, down, almost to the ground. But as long as I got King Jesus, 
I don't need nobody else. And as good as that song is, and as true as it is, because we all need Jesus. And he can fill gaps in our life that no one else can fill. There are some times in my life that I have felt passed over. Why was I not good enough? Can I be completely honest for just a minute? I'm going to kind of open up and kind of show you some dark places. Not because I because I want to show you all that, but because I think sometimes you need to realize that we all battle with the same things. We were here for 15 years, and after about 14 and a half, 14 years, well, we were almost 15, so about, about year 14, I had a friend in Kentucky that was leaving the church, and he asked me, he said, would you be interested in coming here and pastoring? And I said, you know, we've been struggling with what God's going to do with us, and uh, I would be interested at least talking, and found out that church wasn't available, and that's fine. The pastor that was, the people that were there were working it out, and it was going to stay in-house, and that was great. But I ended up going to Washington State. I ended up going to Yakima, where I grew up, where I was a high school, uh, I, I went, my sophomore, junior, and senior year were in Yakima, Washington, and I, uh, I ended up going to a year of college there as well, and Love the area, love the climate, love the culture, love everything about Washington. And I got, a, I got a request while we were at the General Assembly, would you be interested in trying out for a church that was out there? And it was a church I went to when I was in high school. One of the greatest men to ever preach that I've ever heard and just loved with all my heart was the pastor there, David Bishop. And he had moved to Cleveland and had passed away and the church was sitting there and they needed a pastor. One of the things you may not know, the South, the Bible Belt, that you get a lot of people that like to hang out in, in Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, the Bible Belt. When you get out West, a lot of guys won't leave to go out there and, and, and so to get the opportunity was a, was a big deal, but I was... I was a little hesitant, but I was excited as well. We go out there, we, we have a service. I felt good about it. My wife preached Sunday night. Everybody was good with that. It was, there, was, there was no issues with women preachers and no issues. I mean, it's just wide open in the West. And so we were excited and really felt good about it. And the, the, the overseer at the time told us, he said, you only got 60% of the vote, but I'm going to include you when we do the next vote. I was like, okay. That sounds great. He said, I don't think you can go on 60. I said, no, I don't want to do that. And so I waited, waited and waited. And finally, somebody else decided to go try out for the church. And a friend of mine was in the congregation that day, and he called me after the vote. And he said, Mark, your name wasn't even included. I said, what? He said, your name wasn't even on the ballot. Why? why, why I, I don't understand. I mean, he said I would. He said, I know. I thought, I thought your name was going to be on there. And when I asked, they said, don't ask any questions. Just vote. And I went, wow, what's going on? And I, I've been in the church of God long enough to know that the overseers make the ultimate decisions. It wasn't about that. It was that I wasn't even included in it. 
I got hurt. Man, I was angry. I was bitter. My mother-in-law would talk about this particular person that was uh, an administrative bishop. And I'd say, would you please just not say his name? Would you please just not even speak his name in my presence? Because I'm angry. I'm still dealing with bitterness. I don't understand it, and I'm angry. Why would I get passed over for something like that? Why can you not just let me know something? Can I tell you that sometimes your Passover, when, when you get passed over for something, God sees a bigger picture than you do? That you don't understand it, but God sees the whole thing? Three months after all that went down, and I was not elected to be their pastor, and I had to move on. Three months later, my mom passes away. Three months. Can you imagine if I would have been walking into a new pastorate all the way across the country, and I would have just been getting settled, and my mom would have passed away, and I would have had to take time to be back here and try to care for my dad and do what I could do for him. And he was strong and he moved on and he made life and he could have done it by himself. But how incredibly awesome that God, in the midst of my being upset about being passed over or passed by or left out, God said, Mark, you don't see the whole thing. I will tell you that over the course of time, I realized that just like you need to realize that being passed over or passed by will cause a root of bitterness to grow in you if you're not careful. I went to that particular bishop and I said, you know what? I know how it works and I'm sorry. It's not on you. It has nothing to do with you. It is me. It is all about what's going on in my heart and I apologize to you and I am sorry. For some of you today, you feel the bitterness of being passed by. That, 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 that you've been passed over by so many things that you don't even think there's a chance you're ever going to be accepted. That you're ever going to get the opportunity. You need to get rid of the root of bitterness that is going to grow in your life and cause you to become bitter and angry. You need to cut it out today. That's the Holy Spirit to allow you to be free from that. You know what? I feel impressed to pray right now. God, you know our hearts. You know where the junk's at, where the poison has been left. That the, the viper has come and put his fangs into our life because we've been passed over. And it has caused this infection to grow and we haven't dealt with it and we just continue to rebirth it over and over again in our hearts and in our minds. And God, I pray for you to do the surgical work right now in our lives. Cut out whatever it is. Deal with it. Put the radiation on the spot so that the cells that have been causing this infection to continue to grow in our lives, this bitterness to continue to, to ravage our, our system. Let it be gone. 
Let it be eliminated so that it has no life left in it. And whatever we need to do to go to someone that, that we felt may have passed us over. But we go to them and we make it right. Not that they did anything right or wrong, it's on me. And God, I take responsibility for my heart, not for theirs. And I will do what's right in your eyes and not in man's. In Jesus' name. Sometimes God's doing us a tremendous favor. What you want isn't always best. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe we lack, like to think we're ready. We like to think that we're prepared. But he knows what's just plain best for us. And I have a newsflash for you. We can trust our Lord who loves us. I, heard, I read a statement by a gentleman. He said, I can wish for a better life, but not, I can wish for a different life, but not a better one. Guys, God cares for us. Remember, God is not surprised by what's happening in your life right now. God is working in your life. And he's got a plan that includes you. Last point. I talked about being locked out. But if you're locked out of your car, you're locked out of your house, what a great feeling it is when it finally gets unlocked. We've had, I got one Sunday we had left our church in, in LaGrange and was coming over to Griffin. We weren't even here yet. We were going down to eat at Buckner's. We'd finished the fast. It's one of the greatest places to go after a fast. We'd take it off and we get down to Buckner's and we ate until we couldn't breathe. Or no, we were actually going in and we were going in and as I start to walk in, somebody said, hey, get this out of the car. And I turned and I went, oh, I've locked the keys in the car. About that time, Davis and some guys from Centerpoint come walking out. <laughs> he said, hey, what's going on? I said, lock my keys in the car. Hey, I just got this new thing that you can pump the windows open from Home Depot. He said, you want to see if you can get in? I said, what? Are you kidding? This is a miracle. You're a godsend. Take that little thing. Oh, man, we were in in just a few minutes. Got the key. It was such a relief to be unlocked. By the way, thank you, Davis. God bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you for that day. Because I wanted to eat. I didn't want to work on my keys getting out of the car. After a fast that long, I was ready to go. So what does it feel like to be unlocked? Acts chapter 13, verse 46 through 48. The church has been established, and this is about Paul and Barnabas. And I love, I love, I love this scripture. Listen to this. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly declaring and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But listen, but since you have rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I will make you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the furthest corners of the earth. When the Gentiles 
heard this, they were very glad and thankful the Lord thankful to the Lord for the, his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. They got unlocked. They got to go eat at Buckner's. They suddenly had the doors of their life unlocked. Since you have rejected it, who is he talking to there? Literally, he's talking to the Jews. Jews, you've rejected the message that Christ brought to you. But in a very extended fashion, he's talking to the people that should know. You know who Gentiles are? Gentiles are anybody in the Bible. When you see the word Gentiles, that's anybody that's not a Jew. They were not included. They, they, they kind of become grafted into the vine as the scripture talks about. That, that they become included in what was for the Jews. They get accepted in. If you've ever walked up to a picnic and you weren't invited and somebody says, hey, come on, have a seat. You can join us. That's basically what happens. Jesus says, because the people that ought to have received it didn't, I'm opening it up to everybody. It's for, for those that should know they have rejected it. And isn't it funny that Paul and Barnabas and even Jesus dealt with the religious crowd. The people who shouldn't have rejected it, rejected it. And it's kind of like us. Church people. Religious people. Godly people. Sometimes are locked up. And locked out. Because we won't receive the message. You want to you know how, how I know? Because we should be choosing love. Sometimes in the church, we take racism over love. Oh, I want to receive the message of eternal life. Then with that message comes the message of love and not racism. And you go, well, my church is diverse. And I love this statement. It's not about your church being diverse. It's about your living room being diverse. Is your living room diverse? Who are your friends coming over? Do they all look like you? You know, for us religious crowd also... We ought to be accepting truth versus religious rhetoric. In today's society, there's so much stuff out there. So many things to hear and so much stuff that appears to be truth. And many times, we don't care about the truth. We just want to look religious. We just want to look like we got it together. We want to sound spiritual. When God is going, how about you just come back to me for truth and quit worrying about what all the world says is truth. I'm the only truth you need. And how about faith versus fear? Faith will see us through the trials. Faith will sustain us. 
So we are to reject fear. You want to be unlocked? Reject fear. You want to be unlocked? Throw out racism. You want to be unlocked? Forget religious rhetoric. Now get this. Paul and Barnabas are saying, hey, Gentiles, you're no longer locked out. (laughs) You're accepted. Luke chapter 2, verse 29 and through 32. Oh, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. He is the glory of your people, Israel. All people. All people. Nobody's going to be locked out. Jews, Gentiles, young, old, male, female, servants, free. We are all included. Maybe you don't feel worthy today. And you hear these scriptures and you're going, I'm still not sure. I still feel locked out. Me and Michelle, we, I've given up my man card several years ago. And I will be honest with you, I watched all of Downton Abbey. Sue me. Cried during the notebook. Sue me. Now we've got a new kind of Downton Abbey kind of show we've been watching. And what's amazing in the show is me and Michelle are just overwhelmed by how class and culture dictate where I can go in this particular show. And one lady said the other day to a party they had been invited to, she goes, we should not even accept the invitation. And the husband said, why? And she goes, you know we don't belong. Because they weren't at the right status. That an earl, a duke was inviting them. And they were common people. They didn't really belong at the party. And when they showed up, people looked and went, who are they? Can I tell you today, you may be sitting at home going, I don't belong. I'm locked out. It's a lie the enemy's trying to feed you. You belong. Luke chapter 2 tells you you belong. Last verse of scripture. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6. He said, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles. And you will bring my salvation to the end of the earth. Can I tell you? That I declare more is coming to you. You may have felt passed over. That there's no room for you or your gifts. But I declare more. I declare more in your life. More more than you thought, more than you can see, more than you can imagine. You go, what does that mean? What what is more? 
When you put the limits on God, we lock him out. But don't lock God out either. Don't be like the teenager and say, God, you can't come in here. Let him in and let him do what he needs to do. Don't let your age, your status, your ethnicity, your gender stop you from having more. We are no longer locked out. If you're feeling locked out today, it's of your own device. Because Jesus wants to welcome you in. Can I tell you churches, this church wants to welcome you in. Can I say every church? You know, I, I, don't, I don't pastor every church. I wish I could. I'm not dogging them out. I just don't, I can't speak for everybody. But we want to make room for you. In our hearts, in our lives, in our relationships, there's a place for you. Not just in the building, a place for you in the kingdom of God. And I want to pray for you today. Maybe you've felt passed over. Maybe you felt like there was no room for you. The enemy's at work trying to affect your mind. This message is for you today, especially for you. Heavenly Father, right now, we've heard your word. Acts chapter 1 sets the stage. They were in a small, tiny room where people could have felt locked out. One man named Joseph was passed over for a high position in this new church organization. He could have felt bitter. He ends up going on to spread the gospel because God made a change in his life through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, let that same ability rest in us that we can get past all the things that may have hindered us we can see you as our hope. Lord, if there's someone that doesn't know you today, I pray that they come to personal relationship with you. And they pray a prayer that simply ask you to come in, be Lord of their life, take over their bitterness and anger and frustration, and guide and direct their paths for the rest of their days. Lord, we thank you for this time. As we prepare to come back together, I pray that you keep us safe from every attack and every enemy and every disease that may try to come against us. And let your glory be revealed in us on a day-to-day basis. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We appreciate you. You aren't locked out. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you have any prayer requests, the pastoral staff would like you to email your request to prayer at gcpcog.com. If you would also like more information about our church, you can email us at info at gcpcog.com or you can visit our website at www.griffincenterpointchurch.com.